All right, well done for making it out. Happy New Year. And uh, I just want to, uh, I just want to commend um, and honor the people who helped put this morning on. It seems like every Saturday evening you get some bad weather in New Brunswick. And uh, so once again, it hit the snow this morning. Um, but it's fantastic. We've got a great crew of people who uh, help with getting down here, getting the chairs set up and the tarp and the worship band all here and the AV, PA, the welcome teams, everyone who helps clear all do a great job and just helps us to be able to put this on. Uh, so well done, all of you. Uh, great job. And uh, even if you weren't part of that, no doubt you had to do some digging to get here this morning. Um, and today we're going to actually look at some other men who had some digging to do to get to Jesus. Um, <laughs> really good link in today. It's as if it was planned. Um, so let's dig into the Word of God together. Enough of my digging jokes. <laughs> we're going to look at Mark and uh, chapter 2 and read through verses 1 to 12, which says this. Um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. All right. So we've been looking through uh, the start of Mark's gospel uh, when I've been preaching over the last few weeks and a couple of months. And uh, we've seen that Jesus has begun his ministry. He's begun by healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been teaching uh, and proclaiming the advance of the gospel, the coming of the kingdom. And news of these miracles that Jesus has been performing has been spreading uh, quite quickly, pretty quickly. And at the end of chapter 1, actually Jesus is unable to enter a town openly. Um, he's staying outside in lonely places because people are just looking for him, this great miracle worker. So this is where we hit chapter 2. A few days later, at the start of chapter 2, Jesus returns to Capernaum, probably back to Simon Peter's house again. Uh, he says he's coming home. It's probably Simon Peter's home. Uh, and, a, and again, a huge crowd of people gather, and there's no space even outside. 
Jesus is preaching the word of God to them. Um, he's already said that's what his purpose was to do. But people have heard about his miracles, and so they come flocking in. They come looking for Jesus to perform miracles. They come believing that he can heal them and set them free. And what we're seeing in this passage is, uh, this is a, a, a story about faith. And this is a story about great faith being demonstrated. In fact, in this account of the paralyzed man, we see examples of overcoming faith, uh, we'll call it. And we also see some other examples of faithlessness, people who don't have faith, people who are cynical, people who are skeptical. So we're going to look at both of those this morning. So first of all, we see the faith of the man's friends, this paralyzed man's friends, and ultimately the faith of the paralyzed man himself. And as I've said, it's an overcoming faith. It's a faith which presses on even through the obstacles. As I've said, these men, uh, they've heard about Jesus. They go and seek him out. He's in town. This could be the opportunity that their friend has been waiting for. You know, their friend's paralyzed, they're sick, but hey, a miracle worker's in town. We've got to get to see him. This could be your big opportunity to get there. So, of course, he can't walk to Jesus himself. So his friends say, well, look, we're going to carry you there. We're going to carry you on a mat. We've found out where Jesus is, where he's teaching. They're believing. They're in faith. They're believing that Jesus is going to be able to make this man well. So they are going to make the effort to seek Jesus out. Their faith has been stirred. And uh, Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes through hearing. Paul says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. When we hear the message about Jesus, when we hear the good news about Jesus, our faith gets built. Our faith gets stirred. If God's done something in your life, and you tell people about it, they're going to be stirred in faith. They're going to be encouraged, and we're going to be encouraged and stirred in faith as we hear um, stories about other people. And I would encourage us, we need to pass on stories. When God's done something in our lives, let's tell other people. Let's tell each other stories about faith just to stir us up. Maybe in meetings, people will, uh, as we gather on a Sunday morning, people have got something that they say, you know, it's just, a, it's just a sh a, maybe even a small thing, just a short thing to share, but hey, God's done this in my life this week, and we can be encouraged together. But maybe it's not in meetings, maybe it's sometimes on, if we write blogs, we can encourage each other through blog posts, or as we meet together person to person. However we do it, let's begin to encourage each other and tell stories of what God has done, what Jesus has done. It will stir faith in us and also in others. And this morning, I'm going to tell a few stories uh, about how God has worked um, through uh, that I've been involved in in, uh, in my life and, uh, and actually at our church that I was part of for many years in England as we pressed on in overcoming faith. Um, but before I, I do that, I just want to say, please hear me, in saying these stories, there's no way that we're wanting to do that. I'm wanting to do that to exalt myself or say my faith is, is great or even that church. Um, it's God who's exalted as we walk together in faith. And I know, and I can tell you many times if you want to know, there's a number of times when I know that I should have pressed through in faith. I should have um, gone for something and I didn't. 
And there's grace and forgiveness for that, and that will be the case for all of us. Um, But hopefully these stories will encourage us that God wants us to press through into what he has for us as Christ Central Church, because this is the same God. So we'll come to that in in a little while. So these men had faith over, it had to become overcoming faith, because when they get to the house, when they get to the house that they're going to, they find there's so many people gathered around, they can't get anywhere near. They can't get anywhere near the door. It says that there was no room left, not even outside the door. How disappointing is that going to be for them? They've made the effort, they're believing in Jesus, but they can't even get near. Crowds all around them. So what do they do? They've got a decision to make. I mean, maybe the easiest thing to do is to decide, oh, you know, well, we can't do it. We'll just have to give up and go back home. Maybe we'll plan to come back another day. Maybe when all the stir has, has died down and there's, there's a bit of space, we'll come back, we'll bring back a different day. Now, just put yourself in their position. What would you do? Try and forget what they actually did because they were kind of thinking a bit out of the box. But, but just imagine you were there. What would you do? What would you have done? We all have decisions to make all of the time. All of the, di- all of the time. We had to plan and make decisions this morning. We had to decide whether we were going to even come out this morning. I mean, maybe we planned to meet with the church and worship together, but we think, oh, do you know what? It's, it's New Year. We were out quite late last night, and, and we wake up in the morning and like, oh, Really? We have to get up, so we have to make a decision. Do we get out of bed and press through or not? So, we, so okay, we get out of bed, and then we open the curtains. Oh, oh there's a lot of snow out there. <laughs> and we have another decision to make. What are we going to do? Are we going to dig the car out? Are we going to clear the driveway to be able to get out? Or do we press through? We have decisions to make. Do we press through? We might have intentions but things can get in the way. And I don't know about you, I went out and I snowblowed the driveway and I got the car and I, I said, okay, come on, and we got outside and the plow came past. <laughs> I'm like, no! <laughs> but I was preaching, so I had to get here. <laughs> but there's decisions to make all the time. You might just be like, oh, it's just not meant to be. I'll oh, just go back inside. We'll, I'll listen to the audio. We've always got obstacles to overcome. Always temptations to back away when it comes to our faith. I remember back in 1999, many years ago, I was working for a Christian organization um, called Tear Fund, and my job involved speaking to people all over the country about issues of poverty and injustice, encouraging a Christian response to them. And one day, someone said to me in a meeting that I was in, I was in many gatherings and meetings, but one day someone said, oh, you should go down to London. Because there's this these series of meetings going on in London, England, and uh, this, they're praying for God to break out in power. And uh, you should go. And there's a guy leading them called Gerald Coates. Um, there's, there's a picture of Gerald Coates. There's a guy leading them called Gerald Coates. And you should go and get a prophetic word from him because he's praying for people and he's prophesying. Like so, this was quite a. People said this kind of thing to me all the time. Usually I would have gone, oh, yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Not doing that. Why would I need to go down to London? Um, it's quite away from where I was living. But something in me on that day 
stirred within me and I thought, you know what? I think that is what we should do. I think God's saying we should do that and go to this meeting and hear and, and talk to this guy and get him to pray for us and prophesy over us. That's the only time in my life that I've ever felt something like that. So I spoke to Debbie and I spoke to a couple of our friends and I told them and we said, well, look, let's go. We can have a day out in London. None of us had any kids at the time. We can have a day out in London and, uh, and then we go to this meeting and it'd be great. We can, we can have a Saturday down there. So that's what we did and had a, had a good day in London, went along to the church meeting. Um, it was okay. Um, and it was getting to the time where I thought, right, they're going to invite people to come and be prayed for and we're going to get this prophecy and then they just said, anyway, that's it for today. Uh, we're closing it up there, so uh, have a good evening. Off you go home. They didn't even invite anyone up to pray, and people started filtering out. And we were just sitting there, and we're going, well, what's that about? I thought there was a ministry time. I thought, I thought they were praying for people, and, and they clearly weren't on that day. And we were like, oh. And there's that sense of disappointment. Well, that, well oh, what are we going to do? And at that point, in the same way as for these men and their friend, it was tempted, tempting to leave. It was tempting to just say, oh, well, that didn't work out as we'd hoped. But then I thought, well, no, that's what we came for. So I said, nope, we came to get a prophetic word from Gerald Coates. <laughs> we are going to get a prophetic word from Gerald Coates. And they were like, what are you talking about? I said, we're going to talk to him. Come on. <laughs> so I'm like, Debbie was like, what? <laughs> so, so down we went. And we walked up to him. And uh, he looked absolutely exhausted. I mean, they'd been doing meetings every single day. And he looked spent. And he didn't know us. He'd never seen me before in his life. and never seen any of us. But we came and we said, look, we've come down. We've come down from Sheffield. We believe that God's got a prophetic word for us. It's going to be something that's going to really encourage us. We believe you're the guy to give it. So will you pray for us? <laughs> and he kind of looked at us and just went, <sighs> okay. <laughs> and he prayed for us. And he prophesied over each one of us. And you know what? Each of those words that he gave us was significant and accurate. For me, he said this. He said, up until now, you have been speaking about doing things, but now it's the time to start doing them and not just talking about doing them. Now, he didn't know me. He didn't know anything about my job, and I loved my job, but the frustration that I had with it was that even though I loved it, I was away from home a lot. I was away from church. I couldn't get involved in the local church at all very much, uh, and uh, and, and it was like, I'm speaking about all these issues, but then I'm not even doing anything in my own local church. And that had become a bit of a frustration for me. And he's like, you've been speaking about doing things, and now's the time to start doing them. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then it was just a month or two later, where I went to a different meeting, and I heard someone, uh, a, a people talking about running a community-based kids club. And I knew, and Debbie knew, that's what we should do. And I knew I was going to have to leave my job, and I was going to have to do that. And that was God's call on our life, which was a call for a significant period of time in our lives. Just being involved in a small local community. But we were like, but we had that word from Gerald Coates, which confirms what we're feeling even today as God led us on. 
and he led us out of that. So it was a significant word that we had. But you know what? We had to press through to receive that word. We could have just walked away. All right, we'll come back to that story later on. These four men also had a decision to make, and they didn't give up, and they didn't shrink back. They'd come to see Jesus. They'd come to receive healing for their friends. So what they did, as I said, thinking out of the box, they climb up onto the roof. Now, this roof is going to be a flat roof. It's going to be made out of timbers covered with sticks and branches, and then around a foot of earth, packed down onto the roof to make it kind of waterproof. And often the grass would have been growing on these rooftops as well. All in all, about two feet thick of stuff to, to dig through. But it was diggable. And so that's what they did. They began to dig. It must, and it must have been, think about it, to get a, a guy through, unless they're going to have him going through like this, probably isn't a good idea. <laughs> He's going to have more than you know, paralyzed legs at that point when he goes flying through the hole. They're going to have to get a pretty big hole dug in this roof to get him through to be able to lower the man down. You know, this is persistent faith. Because I wouldn't imagine people are just sitting there beneath, just kind of going, what's going on there? You know, there's earth falling down. Someone's going to be like, stop that! You know, especially Peter, whose house it was, or his mother-in-law, who had been sick earlier, and she's like getting a fever again at this point, because a house is falling down. It's faith that doesn't give up. They keep going, even when it hits obstacles. Not everyone's going to be pleased about it. Not everyone's going to be pleased. But Jesus was pleased. Jesus was pleased when he saw their faith. He's not annoyed about his message being interrupted. In fact, he stops his preaching. And he looks at the man and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's what he says to him. Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus always loves to see our faith. And, and he knows what this man needs more than he does. Because this man thinks he needs physical healing. And his friends think he needs physical healing. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Now he knows what's at the root of all of these things. That's not to say all sickness is at the root of personal sin. But Jesus knows this man needs forgiveness. And actually that's what we all need. More than healing or deliverance or a job, or a wife, or a husband, or kids. We need forgiveness. There might be any number of things that we're struggling with in our life. We say, God, come through for me on this. Actually, what we need more than anything is forgiveness. God knows what we need more than we do. It's worth remembering that when sometimes we get confused by what we see God doing. But they push through. They push through. Matthew 11, verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. These men are forcefully laying hold of the kingdom. How often is it when we come to our faith and, and what we call faith really is just a matter of, well, let's hope for the best. Let's just, let's just hope and, and try something out. And then we hit an obstacle or a setback and we just say, oh, well, that mustn't be what God wanted after all. Oh, I think God wants me to, to have this job so I'll, or to do this, so I'll, I'll apply. Oh, oh, that didn't work out. Oh, we can't want it. And we, we just try something and then, ah, nah, it's not working out. Or, or we say, well, where is God? 
Things have gone wrong in my life. Things have happened. Where is God? He's, he's gone. I saw someone two days ago, and they were telling me about things that were, you know, hadn't worked out as they'd planned in their life. And they, and they said to me, they finished off and they said, where's God when you need him? And you're like, well, he's still there. Just because our circumstances aren't quite the way that we would have hoped they would be, just because there's a setback, doesn't mean that God isn't there. Actually, faith is something that we have to press through with. I, I actually believe from the Bible that God actually puts obstacles in the way of our faith sometimes so that we have something to press through to really make it real, so that we really cast on God. The Bible is full of people who have faith for something, who God's spoken to, and then they hit obstacles. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18 talks about Abraham, and it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. God had spoken to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son and you're going to have many descendants, but it's not happening. And it seemed like there was obstacle after obstacle being put in Abraham's way. God was involved in all of that for Abraham to push through, to believe. And Abraham's commended for what? For his faith. Abraham's commended for his faith. He was a hundred years old when he had Isaac, yet he still believed God. The Israelites come up against the obstacle of the Red Sea in taking them out of Egypt, and they think they're going to die at the hands of the Egyptians, and they're standing there in front of the sea, and Moses stretches out his hands over the waters, and he parts the sea. And I love how in Exodus 14, you read about it. Moses is encouraging the people, come on, we're still believing in God. We're going to pray. And they're praying. And God actually says, why are you praying? Why are you calling out to me? Just move on in faith. He says, just stretch your arm out. Act. Act and believe. Don't just sit and wait until something happens. Actually, we have to take steps of faith. We walk forward in faith to see something happen. Job persists in believing in God, even though he'd lost everything. Even though, <laughs> I wondered who that was. <laughs> even though he'd lost his family, even though he'd lost all his livelihood, he'd lost everything. He'd lost his health. He still believes in God. He doesn't give up. We may face many obstacles to our faith. It might look as though God just isn't coming through. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 tells us what faith is. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's being confident in the things that we hope for and being sure about the things that we don't see. Well, God said this to us, but we're not seeing it. So are we sure? Are we sure? Are we sure about God? Are we confident in him? Do we press on? Do we believe? Do we act as though those things are going to happen? Or do we shrink back? God loves people who refuse to be put off. God loves people who press on in faith. Going back to our story. So we started a Saturday morning kids club for children from very poor communities and um, 
There we are. There's our logo. Uh, and and we, we did all sorts of kind of games and we had, we had big boards with graffiti art and things like that. We did lots of fun and games and uh, kind of a bit like a, a TV show in some ways. Uh, great worship times with the kids as well um, and teaching them the gospel. These are kids who'd never heard the gospel. Uh, at all and we were getting lots of kids coming in loads of kids coming into this one place where we were meeting and uh, and so we said we felt God was leading us to start another club in a second community just around the corner just up the hill from where we were originally meeting we're going to do one in the morning and then we'll do one in the afternoon and uh, so we felt well that's what we should do I, I think actually we were doing three didn't we we did one in the morning and one in the afternoon in one venue and another one in the afternoon at another venue. So we thought, this is what God's leading us to do. Uh, and so we needed a space for around 100 children, and we were going to need to build another big stage set. We were going to need to do the graffiti art again, build a, load, a lot of bleachers, um, buy some equipment, video projectors, all sorts of things. We're going to have to find a venue and a place to store all of those things in because we didn't want to be renting a truck every week. And there was only one potential place that we could meet that had, was the right size in the, in the community we felt God was leading us to, and that was the place, Shirecliff Community Center. That was the only potential venue. So up we go, and uh, I, I went in and I said to them, look, can we rent this, uh, this place on Saturdays and, uh, from January the 12th? I remember the date. January the 12th was when we were going to start. And they said, no. No, you can't. They said, we have got a dance class that meets here. They've met here every Saturday for years. In fact, they've met here every Saturday for 16 years. 16 years. The same dance teacher said, said you can have it another day. You can have it midweek. We said it's not going to work midweek. It's going to be Saturdays. That's when we've got to do it. Um, they said, well, it's just impossible. It's impossible. So I went back, and we gathered as a team we met as a team one evening, and, we, and, and I said, look, this is, this is what we felt God's saying to us, and this is what they've said, so we need to pray. So we prayed, and what are we going to do? Should we find a different community? Maybe we've heard wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe, we, 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 maybe we should meet in a different day. And we prayed, and a, a, a woman who's part of the team called Ali um, said, look, I feel God's telling us he's giving us this place. He's, he's saying we can have it, even though they're, they're saying that we can't. So we should, so, okay. So we continue to pray. And together, there was about 20 of us, and we felt, this is right. This is what God's saying. We were confident. Okay. <sighs> so I had to go, because I wasn't an elder of the church at the time, so I had to go and talk to our, our church leader and the elders of the church. And I met, I remember meeting up with our church leader, and saying, this is what's happened. This is what we feel. Um, we feel that God's giving it to us. And we, and we need to plan. And we need to start planning. And we need to start building these big sets. And we need to start building the bleachers. And we need to buy the equipment. And it's going to cost us around $5,000 equivalent. Um, but they've said no. So can we spend the money? <laughs> and he was looking at me going, he said, that sounds ridiculous. He said, but it sounds like God, so go ahead. <laughs> so we started to prepare, and over, over before Christmas, and we got everything sorted out, people in the church helped out, we're doing all these things, 
And, and I'd felt not to go back to this community center again until the new year. And we were wanting to meet there from the 12th of January. So we're building everything, we're buying everything, we're dividing the team up into three from one and everything, getting new team members. And we had no plan B. Someone on the team said, what's our plan B? I said, we have no plan B. We just don't have a plan B. We've got nowhere else to meet. So on the 3rd of January, I call them up on the phone. And, I, and as I call, I say, hi, I'm Mark. We're from City Church. Oh, well, we've just been, thinking, we've just been talking about you. I said, I said, oh, well, why, why is that? They said, well, you were interested in, in taking the, the room on the Saturdays. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, I don't know if you're still interested. He said, but, but we, we spoke to our dance teacher uh, last week, and we asked her to do an inventory of all her equipment that she stored at the building. And she said, well, why should I do that? I've been here for 16 years. Why do I need to do an inventory? And they said, well, we want you to do an inventory. And she said, I'm not doing an inventory. She said, I'm going to take my dance class somewhere else. Inventory. <laughs> Inventory. She wasn't doing it, whatever it was. <laughs> Inventory. Inventory. <laughs> <laughs> inventory. She wasn't doing the inventory. <laughs> inventory. And she got offended. And she said, I'm leaving. I'm taking my class elsewhere. And they, and they said to me, she's gone. She's gone. So the room technically is available now. Are you still interested? I said, yeah. They said, well, you're going to need a lot of time to prepare and plan and build. And I said, no, no, we're good. <laughs> Um, I said, we're good for the 12th of, of January. They said, well, we need, to, we need to get it past the board. Any new bookings, we need to get past the board. And then the next board meeting. I said, when's the next board meeting? They said, the 11th, in the evening. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, if they approve it at 11, on the 11th in the evening, can we meet there on the 12th? And they said, sure, yeah, if you want. So I said, okay, I'll come up on the 11th. So we went and we got a truck and we loaded the truck up and we loaded it with all our gear and everything ready to come in because we were like, can we store it there? They said, well, we'll have to put it to the board and we'll see what they say. So we loaded the truck up. We were praying a lot. And uh, all the team were there. And I went ahead to the meeting and I asked them for their decision. And everyone was praying in the truck and outside. It was all or nothing. And we'd gone out to the neighborhood because this was like the day before. And we'd gone and invited all these kids to come. And we said, we're going to be running a kids club on the 12th. <laughs> but we didn't know if we could. <laughs> so we'd invite them to come anyway. And, um, and I said, what's your answer? And they said, the answer's yes. I was like, praise God. Praise God. And I got on my phone and I said, the answer's yes. And they opened the doors just as I said it. And they started bringing all this equipment. <laughs> this meeting's still going on. <laughs> and they start loading them. And they're like, what's going on? <laughs> and we were in there. It was such hilarious to watch their faces. And from that day on, we had such favor with that community and with the board. We were up there for years and years and years. A few years later, the chairman of the board spoke to me and he said, we love what you're doing here with the kids. He said, but there's no church in this community. There's no church at all meets in this community. Would you start a church? Would you start a church up in the, in the community? We said, sure, we'll, we'll give that some thought. So we went back and we talked as a church and we decided to start a congregation up in that community. So we planted a congregation 
many of us moved up into that community. That's where we lived and a number of other people. And uh, a number of, uh, of children and adults um, got saved and, uh, and added to the church. Um, and we were in there. That was our first time in there as a church, um, worshipping there. And then from that point on, other activities began to spring up for, into that community. Uh, we started a parent and toddler uh, group up called Mini Kids. Uh, the church then rented some office space up there where I worked from, and we started a, um, a whoops, we started a food bank um, to, to meet the needs actually of, of the whole of the city, but, but specifically that community. There was then uh, another club which we started called the Grub Club, where we did some cooking and teaching people and working with them to, to use some of the food from the food bank to, to cook healthy meals. Um, so like a food club, we call it Grub, grub means food. Um, uh, building relationship with the locals, we began a debt advice service, um, help people get rid of some of the debts that they were in. So lots of different things. And the church is still up there, and they're still doing all of those things. But, as I said, that's not a story to say how great we are. That's just what God has done in that community when he speaks. But we had to press through in faith to get there in the first place. Because if we'd have just said, oh, we can't, we can't have that room. Well, that's it. Well, then none of that would have happened. None of that would have happened. But God spoke to us. And we press through in faith. And in the same way as we see in the Bible, when God speaks to us, we battle on in faith. We hold on to what he said, despite what obstacles there are. We hold on personally. We hold on corporately as a church. We're called to walk by faith, not by sight. We're called to believe in God. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. These men who came to Jesus, they were sure of what they hoped for. They weren't put off by the crowds. They weren't put off by the roof. They pressed through. They literally dug down, knowing there would be a cost, probably a financial cost involved in repairing the roof. And Jesus saw their faith and was pleased. Faith removes every obstacle to Jesus, everything that would get in the way of us and Jesus. And we'll overcome those obstacles that we face individually, but we encourage each other. And together we overcome obstacles as a church in faith. We're believing God's spoken to us about a number of things. We're believing God's spoken to us about planting a church into every university city in Atlantic Canada. And just over a year ago, we sent a group to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And, and there's been some struggles with that group. Things haven't turned out exactly how we may have hoped or planned. So what do we do? Do we give up? Do we say, well, we tried it? Well, it just didn't work. Well, maybe we didn't hear God properly. Do we change our vision? Do we, do we shape it so it, we can achieve it a little bit more realistically? No. We hold on. We believe God. God has asked us to do this. Yes, there are obstacles. Yes, there are difficulties. Yes, there are setbacks. We press on in faith. And we do it together. We do it as a church together. Financially, we will face obstacles all the time. That's, 
Do you know what? My whole experience in leadership of church has always been that. We face financial obstacles. It's no different here to anywhere else. So what do we do? Do we back off what God's saying? Do we cut back on what we feel God's told us to do? No, we press through. We believe in God. But we act as well. And believe that the obstacles are removed. We look for God to move and act. We're all part of it. We can all join in in taking steps of faith. We all give ourselves to it if we're part of the church. However that may be. Do you know, some of those stories that I told, there were, there were people in the Sheffield church, some of them heard the stories in similar way to, to how we've just told the stories to us. And they heard, and it was like a current story, and there was a celebration. It was like, yes, God's done something. But, but some of those people, they didn't really invest in it themselves. They didn't really give themselves to it. It's a bit like you hearing it today. It's like, that's a cool story. That's really encouraging. But it's not your story. That's not your story. It's exciting. Now, for them, it was their story as a church. But for others of us, it was our story. It was our story. We were involved in it. Some of us had prayed. Oh, God, will you give us this? Some of us had given towards what we were doing. Some of us had pressed on despite of the obstacles. Some of us were part of the team who planned and prepared. Some of them were the ones who packed the truck up. Some of the ones who were there watching people's faces as they brought in the equipment. And remembering that day and was like, yes, God, you've done it. I tell you, I wouldn't have traded that experience away for me. I wouldn't have traded that for sitting and listening. I wanted to be fully part of it, as much as I could be. And we all can be. I believe God's going to give us many, many opportunities for, as a church to say, we're all in. Even though the odds can be stacked against us. I strongly encourage you, be one of those. Be one of those who are all in. Be involved. It may involve some tough situations. I tell you what, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. You'll have a story to tell. And it'll be your story. It'll be our story. There's another response that we could have. It's not a good one. And that response is from the teachers of the law. It's a response of skepticism. It's a response of cynicism. These men knew their scriptures. But when it came to Jesus, they were faithless. Now, they knew in Jewish thinking, only God could forgive sins. Not even the Messiah was able to do that. Not even the expected Messiah was able to do that. Only God could forgive sins. I mean, why, how can you forgive the sins of someone else? If you, it'd be like if I, if I went up to, to Brent and I punched him in the face. <laughs> and then Joe said, it's okay, Mark, I forgive you. Brent might be thinking, what? <laughs> he didn't punch you. He punched me. Now, Brent wouldn't be very happy. It's not for Joe to forgive. Our sin, as we were hearing before in that video, is against our creator. Our sin is a rebellion against God. So only God can forgive sin. Only God can forgive our sin against him. It's not for someone else to forgive us. And these, these teachers of the law knew that. And they were, and they were right. 
But they didn't realize or they didn't believe that Jesus was God. These men knew God's word, but they were lacking when it came to faith. And actually their hearts were hardening. I mean, that can easily happen when you get a group of people together who tend to focus on negative things. Our faith actually can wane away and we can get more cynical and we can become more and more negative. So yeah, it's good to know scripture as these teachers did. It's good to know the things that we do are in line with God's word. It's good to be discerning. It's good to not just blindly accept anything, everything that a DVD or a TV show or a book tells you claiming to be Christian. But we need more than that. We need eyes of faith. And we need a love for people. At Peter's house, it was kind of standing room only. There was no space. Everyone packed in there. But what were these men doing? They were sitting there. They were passives of passive observers. They were just sitting and watching. And it can be easy to do that when we gather together. It can easy, be easy to be passive observers. We encourage people when we meet together. Joe says it all the time. Okay, stand if you're able. Well, why do we encourage people to stand? Because it's an active thing. It's saying we're participating in something. We're joining in something. We're engaging together and worshiping God. Not everyone's able to do that for physical reasons. Some people maybe need to sit down after a while. That's all fine. But it's saying let's engage. Let's come together. If we're sitting, we can easily become spectators. If we're spectators, we can easily become critics. And we might know our Bible well. And we might have some legitimate questions and comments to make. And it's okay to ask those questions. And it's good to ask questions. And it's good to check things out and speak to leaders. But their apparently sound question was coming from a hard heart. Hard hearts. So let's question things, but with hearts that are open to God. And not with critical spirits. These teachers of the law, they're sad people. They are there when Jesus does an amazing miracle. They see it. They're there. They could be part of it, but they're not blessed by it. And they don't celebrate. They're just angry. And it gets worse. It can happen today in the way that it happened then. Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 8 says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. If you hear God today, don't harden your hearts. Well, why does it tell us not to do that? Because it's possible. It's very possible to harden our hearts when we hear God. And as we see, as the story goes on, we'll see that these teachers of the law, their position gets worse. By chapter 3 and verse 2, it says some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched carefully to see if he was going to heal on the Sabbath. They want to catch him out. They've got no interest at all in being open to who is this man. They're just wanting to catch him out. They've set their minds on it. They've judged it. They've decided. And Christians today can be totally unmoved by what God's doing. And we can latch onto details and question and criticize and miss God. We see everything through a filter of prejudice. These men are excluding themselves from what God's doing. And behind it is the devil. Because he wants to pick people off. He wants to pick people off who God wants to use. And there will be people here today, right now, who God wants to use so powerfully in the advance of his kingdom. But the devil's got in. And you've begun to harden your hearts. Maybe you're even beginning to recognize that. 
And you know when you gather together with others in the church, the talk is rarely of encouragement and building each other up in God. It's not so much of let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, encouraging each other. Actually, it's more, oh, have you heard about this? Well, I don't know why that's happening. Well, why, why are we doing that now? And why is this not happening? And it starts to get in. And that doesn't help us. That doesn't encourage us. And we start to find fault. We start to criticize. That's the filter that we start to see things. We start to hope that people trip up. We start to think, oh, I hope they fail on that. Oh, they're going for that. Oh, I don't think that'll happen. And we, we start to secretly delight in bad things. And we find hidden agendas in things or hidden motives that aren't there. And they should be encouraging us, but they're not. Or our past experience doesn't allow us to believe for the future. Be aware. We're not battling against individuals. We're battling against an enemy. And the enemy can get in and it can be subtle. Don't allow him to get in. Pray that God softens your heart. God has a plan and purpose for each one of us in his church. Let's not harden our hearts to him today if we hear his words. Jesus discerns what the teachers of the law are thinking and he brings a direct challenge to them. Is it easy to proclaim forgiveness of sins or to heal? And then he links the two together and he says, okay, take up your mat and walk as a sign that it, it, it is in his authority to forgive sins. In other words, it's a sign that Jesus is God. That man got more than he ever asked or imagine that day. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, God is able to do more, immeasurably more, than we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. These men had faith for Jesus to heal, and he was healed. But he wasn't only healed, he was cleansed. He was forgiven. What joy! And today God's power can be at work in our life and in the life of Christ Central Church. And he can give us far more than we ask or imagine. We're going to meet together tonight and we're going to pray into the year. Do you know what? We're going to ask God for the things that we feel he said to us. We're going to ask God for the things that we imagine that he might do. And God will do far more than we ask or imagine. He will. So join us. Be part of it. Be able to say, I was there 1st of January and we prayed that day and look what God has done now. I was part of it. Or we could watch some TV tonight and hear about it and say, great. Good old God. Let's be part of it. Let's be part of it. Jesus sees our greatest need. Might not be what we imagine, but come to him anyway. Press through in faith. Don't allow obstacles, setbacks to get in the way. We'd love to pray for you this morning. Faith is a gift from God. The Bible tells us faith is a gift from God. So we can come and we can ask him. And Jesus says, God the Father will give, the Holy Spirit will give gifts. If we ask, he won't give us bad gifts. He'll give us the Holy Spirit. He'll give us gifts. Paul encourages us to ask. So let's ask for faith. I believe some of us need to come this morning and ask for faith. Ask for faith, fresh faith. It's a new year. We want new faith. It's easy to think, well, God can work in my life anyway. I don't have to come for prayer. Well, he can. He loves it when we take active steps. He loves it when we move forward, press through the crowds, press through the barriers, refuse to shrink back.
hey, do you know what? You're here this morning. You press through to be here. Let's press through some more into God. Will you come? Let's pray, shall we?